Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Julie Knudsen with the podcast Training the Pony Labrador, episode number 167. In today's episode, uh, after a brief, not terribly interesting G update, um, I'm going to talk about becoming a little bit better of a trainer uh, and maybe a little bit better at problem solving. I've been Basically, this has been kind of a series that's been going along on how to uh, kind of look at yourself and your approach and find ways that might help you be a little bit more effective or a little bit easier on yourself or a little bit more demanding on yourself, but at least a little bit more thoughtful. So I've got another one of those things, uh, and uh, I'm not going to just keep going with that, but it, it seems to be extremely popular. Uh, People are really tuning into this stuff, so maybe we're, you know, maybe it's helping somebody out a little bit here and there. So let's get with the G update. Um, we have had, let's see, Upland still the same. This dog is is the last time we went out. She points and she'll hold until you get over there. And this is common, you know, with a, a lot of you guys with young dogs that are kind of just good natural pointers. She goes over there and she'll hold until you get. Well, I get up close or the gunner gets up close and then oh golly she just wants to get that bird up so that we'll shoot it so the only thing and she doesn't chase because when they come up she just stays there so the D chase is good the point is very good and I don't take any credit for that other than bird exposure but now I'm going to go in and go ahead and we'll break this dog or we'll condition this dog so that I can also now let her know hey once you're there you don't move again um, you know, you can't just go bring it up and then stand there and watch it shoot it. So that's the only piece left in that. And so I've been, every day after uh, we're doing, she's on the handling stuff. You know, yesterday we did some first cold blinds. That wasn't too bad. She's still on the swim by. And every day after I do that technical stuff and her mind is in a very receptive, uh, I'm going to do what you say kind of mode, unlike after Upland or even running marks. Then I go in and I do the woe stuff because it seems to sink in the best right then. Even if I've been getting after on sit right in the water or, or on land, I still it's like, all right, now just stand there. It, it actually does. I wouldn't work them intermixed with each other. But when I get her mind in that receptive, okay, I gotta, I'm doing what you say, that's a real good place to go in there and do, you know, 10 minutes or five minutes of the woe work. So that's going, that's what we're doing there. Uh, started some cold blinds. The first one was great, and then after that, she had no clue what we were doing, but still went. She went and stopped, so the go and stop was there, and now I just have to run 400 blinds with her, and she'll start getting pretty good. So the G thing, and, and her sister's right along there with her. Um, maybe even a little head on the pointing stuff. I don't know. Uh, I mean, uh, the handling stuff. I don't know why, but a little behind on the pointing, a little head on that. But both of them are going to be very good dogs. So that's the G update. Now, the thing I want to talk about, and I, I really want to bring this uh, to where I don't drive some people off. Uh, so I, I got to be real careful. So I want to start with kind of a little uh, uh, story. I'm sure all of you have either been in this situation or seen the situation or just seen it portrayed on a TV show. But have you ever seen like a married couple, right? And they're walking down the street. And they stop, you know, by a window or something. And she goes, oh, look at that leather jacket. Oh, I just love that leather jacket. 
right before Christmas, right? She's saying this. Well, okay. All of us females are sitting there going, dude, she wants the leather jacket. Go make sure and go back tomorrow and get it. And he's sitting there going, yeah, that's not bad. Did you see the, uh, the motorcycle over that? And anyway, he's on and on. So then they move on. And she doesn't get the leather jacket for Christmas. And she's mad. And he has no idea why she's mad. Because he got her a motorcycle jacket that was different, and et cetera, et cetera. So we've all been in that situation or at least seen it portrayed where one person is giving a lot of signs to the other person who is not taking in any of the signs at all. And then they get crossways of each other. And then, you know, she's mad because other than saying, buy me that, you know, she doesn't know how to make it any clearer. And he should care and should listen and all that. And he's going, what is wrong with this lady? You know, I, 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 I pay attention to her. I walk down the street and window shop with her. I buy her good Christmas stuff. Why is she upset? And people, the, the, there gets to be a distance and a problem a lot of times. And that stuff happens a lot, too, with our kids. Kids come in and give you a real subtle hint or just come at something real carefully and you don't really notice. And then they don't ever come and do that with you again and, and their distances grow. So I'm, I'm using that to maybe hope that people can understand that we do that a lot more with our dogs. And it is a very significant impact also on our training. And so how I would categorize this, and right now it's very trendy in the today's uh, psychology stuff and all the books and all the stuff that's out there and all the prevailing people on TV that are talking about, you know, how to endure the COVID situation, all that stuff. All, all the deal is, is everybody's talking about uh, mindfulness, right? There's all kinds of things available for people to learn how to kind of take it detract or get out of a, the hectic, hectic life and become a, just a little bit more aware of just themselves and the simplicity and all that kind of stuff. And I, I wish, I hope that people pay some attention to that because in fact, that's really the key in a lot of ways to working with our dogs. So very often what I see and how I was when I started out, I can remember, uh, was it? very long time ago but starting out and I you know I knew the steps I'm supposed to take and I knew what the goal was right and so and then somebody shows me how to, how you do this and that I started out way like a kid in the obedience stuff you know jumping over the jumps and picking out the white glove and all that and and uh, you know I I saw I, I learned from people and then I repeated what I saw and, da, da, da. and so I did that's how my early dog stuff was and then with all a lot of decades of working with the, the, the field dogs and the hunting dogs and the retriever stuff, I, I began to become just a little bit wiser about certain things and a little bit, most of all, ex more experienced. Well, I'd seen a lot of dogs and a lot of people and made every mistake there is to make, done all that kind of stuff. And what, what I developed, because I'm is a professional trainer. I'm training other people's dogs, not my own. And I'm training them and they're giving me money, right? That means you must produce the results. You must, uh, if they are producible, you absolutely have to train this dog and make this okay for them. 
And so that would that makes me, of course, be very serious about doing the best job I can. And probably one of the biggest things that I developed over the years, and I think I saw, I learned from some very wise, some of the old people, now I'm kind of one of the old people, but the old people before that, where I, I paid a lot of attention to what they did. And it's very interesting. It's just like that couple window shopping down the street because our dogs, when we train them, they tell us everything. And I've always told everybody that. You know, I say, your dog communicates everything. They reflect everything back. And, they, you know, most people, oh, yeah, that's true. I, they agree. But I'm not sure people understand how you use that. How do you note what they're reflecting back? How do you get what they are telling you? seems to be a very difficult thing. So when I teach people dog obedience, healing on a leash, and <laughs> they are very, very, uh, very engaged in what they're supposed to do. Which leg do I step up with? Frankly, I don't care. Uh, and, and then do I, how often do I say it? What do I say? Do I jerk up on the leash every time? They have all of that stuff that's in their mind, and I, I understand why. But when you're doing, for those of you that have this as part of your training regime, when you're doing just basic obedience, heal and sit, the first thing before you do that is to make sure that you understand when you say a word, what does that supposed to mean to the dog? Run it through your head. What does heal mean? Many of us just say heal because that's what everybody says. And so, and I'll ask people, what, when you say heal, what do you want that dog to do? What action are they to take, right? So it, for me, it means be at my left side, whether I'm moving, not moving. If you're over there and I say heal, come over and get on my left side and sit down. If I'm moving forward, be on my left side, moving with me. If I'm moving backward, be at my left side, moving with me. If I'm turning little circles, heal means one very clear thing, be at my left side. Same with sit. Sit means sit. <laughs> That's it. Not sit, stay, or sit, wait, or any of those things. It just means to sit. You have to have that kind of clarity in your mind before you can transfer that kind of clarity to your dog. If you do not have that, then your dog doesn't either, and they may sit the third time you say it, or if you hit a certain decibel level, or if you jerk on the leash, or if you seem to be getting mad, or all of these conditional things. Right, now, that's very simple obedience stuff. If when you're doing that, you can't look at your dog and see that, that not, not, on, not are they just listening for the one cue that you give them and then understand clearly what you expect, but they're sort of paying attention and sort of not and waiting for a certain set of cues and it's kind of fuzzy. Their response is kind of fuzzy. That means what you've communicated to them has been very fuzzy. The people are always blaming the dog, or my very favorite saying, well, they're good unless there's distraction. That means they're not good. That means that they are not believing they have to do the things that you ask. It's really that simple. So if you're walking along and doing healing and sitting, and then uh, a dog runs by the neighbor's yard, and your dog is oops, totally out of the exercise, you have never taught that dog, when we're doing this, this is all that we're doing. And so you, you enforce the heel or the sit or whatever you're doing when a distraction comes along so that they learn, no, whatever's going on, when we're doing this, this is what you do. 
But the dog reflects all of that back completely. And so now I want to get into the, you need, I'm building to something, right? Everybody just hang with me. I'm building to something here. So the, a word needs to mean something and it has to be actionable, all right? Dogs have to be actionable. They don't do inverse or reverse thinking. They don't do negative thinking. You have to give them something actionable. You can enforce that action, and then you have a good, clear understanding. And you don't have multiple cues for the same thing or conditional cues. You have to have it very simple. Now, now we're going to come into the the word no. So what I see all the time with people, all the time, is when their dog does something that they don't want them to do. Now I'm not talking about getting on the kitchen counter and knocking the trash over. Uh, you can scream and do whatever you want at that deal because they got that coming. But we're talking about when we're training, when we are training. So we're doing obedience or teaching to hold a bumper or teaching them to fetch a bumper or whatever we're doing. Right? I'm going to say there's basically no place in there for the word no because no is not an actionable thing, nor is it enforceable. It is for a dog getting on the counter. Fly them off the counter if they do that. But when we are teaching and training specific behaviors, like most people listening to this are, no does not fit in. For example, I'll give you an example. So I've, I watch people, you're getting a dog to hold a bumper, right? So you put it in their mouth and tell them to hold, and then they spit it out and you say no. And then you pick it up, put it back in, in their mouth, and they spit it out and you say no. Now, when the person is doing that, they are expressing their thought process. No, I don't want you to spit that out. I want you to hold it in your mouth. That is not the thought process of the dog. You stuff this thing in their mouth, which is unnatural, uncomfortable. They don't really like it, nor do they understand it. So they spit it out, which is natural, and you say no. What are they to do with that? What actionable thing can they do with that? Everyone is thinking, I'm expressing, that is not the thing I want you to do, which is not a thought they have. They just get told no, and they're like, okay. Well, now what happens? So then you put it back in. So in training, the key to that is don't let them spit it out. When you're teaching a dog to hold, I have a whole video on that. When you, when you put it in their mouth, keep it in their mouth. Now we're having them do the right thing. <laughs> having them do the right thing. We don't let them, we don't have the spit out no thing because that doesn't get you anywhere. And then you take it out when you're done with your whatever your command for that is. And we don't ever have the no thing. And I can't see any place in obedience, again, where no goes. So if they don't sit, they're not sitting. So tell them to sit. If you call them and they're not coming to you, call, make them come to you. You know, don't set yourself up in his, like on the bumper. Don't put the bumper in their mouth and then take the hand away so they can spit it out. Put the bumper in their mouth, keep your hand either beneath their chin or slightly over their muzzle or whatever so that they cannot spit it out. And when you're teaching obedience, right, don't have the dog where you can call them and they can go the other way. Make sure you're on the leash or the cord or whatever you're doing and whatever you ask them to do, clarity is everything here, then they can do it. So you have to go into that with this. 
So now for the, let's advance up a little bit. Let's advance up a little bit. Now we're running uh, a blind or a mark, right? And your dog's out there on a blind. And and uh, saw this recently. And the dog got kind of rattled and confused and started going the wrong way. And so the, the handler screamed, no. And it really erupted after that. It's like, no. What actionable thing is that dog to do on a blind when you're out there yelling, no? What are they, what actionable thing are they to do? I know the thought was, hey, the, it's over to the left and you're running over to the right. No, don't do that. But that's people thought and not dog thought. So there when the dog was very rattled because they didn't understand things, screaming no at them is only going to make that worse. So there's no actionable thing that dog can do. I know people believe that dogs understand no, and I think what they understand, if it's used a lot, is just stop, whatever, just stop. You, they, they're not really, you're not, there's no clarity there. You're not letting them know anything. You just, they're just going to stop because that's always what you do when you hear no. Or just run and get away if you can so those kind of things, it's important that, that you, your communication is very, very clear. Now I want to talk about, go back to the couple walking down the street where she tells them she's, oh, look at that leather jacket, and he doesn't even notice. Um, and I'm going to use an example out of my training group. Uh, <coughs> on this one, everybody's getting ready for the Triple Crown, going and running the big dog stuff. And, of course, part of the pointing lab uh, testing criteria is they have diversions. You know, when the dog's coming back from a, a retrieve of some sort, another bird is thrown that they have to then go get after they bring back the one that they're retrieving. And I was just watching uh, a four-time, you know, and, and he was coming back and somebody threw the diversion, and the dog looked over at it and took four or five steps toward it and then and thought better of it and came over. And so I asked the handler later on, I said, did you see what your dog did on the diversion? He goes, no, he did good. I said, did, did you see what he did on the diversion? And he didn't even really remember. He said, well, I, you know, he was fine. He wasn't going to get it. <laughs> so I just said, I, okay, if it was me, if it was me and this was a dog, I'd be running in that triple crown thing. I would notice that he showed an interest in the diversion bird and actually went in the direction of it and looked at it. So perhaps that meant nothing. Or perhaps when you're in a test and things are real exciting and they've been doing all kind of upland birds and they're a little bit wild and that diversion comes down, <coughs> maybe his interest will grow. So this is now we're getting kind of a fine point here, but that dog showed an interest in it. Now, maybe he would never go get it. Or maybe after you pay that big entry fee and you got all the pressure and it's the third day and they're wilder and heck, he might just get a little closer and who knows what happens. So that's the kind of thing as a trainer that you really want to pay attention to. If you're just caught up in the, you know, going through the motions, okay, it's my turn to run, all right, I'm up there and I'm here, okay, I need to get out of the way because so-and-so is behind me. And, and, and you are more caught up in the, you know, mechanics of just making the whole training thing go, you know, that's okay, but you're missing all a lot of things that your dog uh, is telling you. So on that one, just a mild interest in a, in a in the diversion. I would have I would take note of that. Um, and there's a lot of dogs that show more than mild interest in things, and people, well, pretty good, really. It's like, 
If you see your dog exhibiting a certain tendency that is not absolutely what you want it to be, then instead of waiting until it blows up on you, perhaps you note that your dog said they like that leather jacket, they like that diversion bird, and respond to that to prevent problems a little bit later on. There's things on blinds. When dogs are, let's say, popping on a blind, and I bring that up a lot, right? If a dog does a little bit, and then you blow the whistle, right? Oh, he's going to pop out of here. I'll just blow the whistle. And you sort of don't pay any attention to that. The dog is telling you something. I don't know what it is. It depends on the dog and the situation. You know, don't just try to cover it up with a whistle. And the dog is telling you either, you know, I don't like, I don't feel like doing this. I don't take you seriously. I am worried about something. They're telling you something about your interactions and the relationship you have. It's something to pay attention to. And if you note it with any consistency, it's something to pay attention to. But people, again, particularly in training, when you're in a training group, you know, one, you want to be the best one there, right? You want to be the one that gets chewed on the least or has, you know, the dog looks the best. And, and you know, not die, don't do that. It, instead, l watch, you know, you're sh window shopping down the street with your dog now, figuratively speaking. Listen to the things they're telling you. Are they starting to wiggle and jiggle a little bit on the line? Are they starting to make a little noise? Are they dragging you up there where they didn't used to? Are they being obnoxious coming out of the holding blind and going over there? Well, that means, I, I don't know your dog, but when dogs are getting excessively excited about stuff, you know, sure, that's nice, but that means when you go do something, whether you're hunting or in a competitive thing, that they're going to really be excessively excited, and then problems can occur. So if your dog is telling you how they feel about this, and it's something that in another situation could really be a big deal, it's very good if you address it, notice it, deal with it, and keep it from being a problem later on. Those of you uh, with dogs that are in the upland field, um, dogs tell you a whole lot. And I mentioned it a few podcasts ago. You know, just when you get them out of the truck, do they just, get, or vehicle, do you get out of the vehicle and just take off? <laughs> All right. What is a dog saying? That's always what I ask people. What is your dog saying to you with this behavior? Then, and they can never answer me. They can never answer me because they're not listening. It's like, well, I don't, I, you're not saying anything to me. No, he is. You're just not paying any attention. So when they get out of your vehicle and tune you out and go over to pee on somebody else's tires and do this and sniff that dog, they are telling you that they're, what they want to do trumps what you want. And generally with a well-trained dog, that is not the dynamic that you want to have. So pay attention to that. That's how, I, like I said, whenever I'm training with people that I, with anybody, I just watch that right there and go, ooh, wow, this could be bad. Not always, but when the dog is just basically ignoring them and doing whatever it wants, that's not really very good. And when a dog is sitting in a holding blind and just can't sit still and is making a ruckus and making noise and, you know, people just kind of sit there. Now, if you got a little young guy and the junior hunter and stuff, oof, <laughs> okay, it, you can't really fix that. When you put them in that exciting of a thing and you can't really address it, it creates a lot of issues. But 
But I'm just talking about in training and regular life, when dogs begin to show you, they, they every moment that you're with them, they interact and they tell you what they think and how they feel and what's going on. You know, like the dog that looked longingly over at that diversion bird. That, that dog likes the, really liked the diversion bird. Okay, I'm going to pay attention to that and make sure that it doesn't grow into more of a problem. When I get one of my dogs out and they want to just go the other direction from me, when they know the rule is come out, sit down, and we gear up, I've, I am going to note that right there. That dog is telling me, no, I really don't care about what you think. Right? There's a lot of places that that could become a problem. And when you go in an upland field, and there's so many things that can happen in an upland field, you can have a dog that just tunes you out and goes wherever it wants. And a lot of people don't seem to mind that. Um, okay, yay for you. I can't stand it. We need to kind of go where I, we're a team thing, and I insist on that. And when they show me any non-team things, I realize I need to address this right now. Because when I go run an event where I don't have any control but just my training, um, it could get out of hand real easily. So, and if a dog wants to just chase a bird because they just chase birds, right? That dog, that dog is telling you, you know, this is my field. These are my birds, and I'm going to do whatever I want. That is not a dog you can hunt very well with. Certainly, you know, could lose him or could wait a long time to get him back. So when they tell you that they're doing it for themselves and not as a team thing, uh, that's something to respond to immediately. And they tell you that. When they go out look for birds, go another direction than you, assuming you're hunting wisely with the wind. You, you need to do your part there. And they're just hunting wild, right? We... Pay attention to that. Now, a lot of times when a dog gets on a, on a bird, and there's so much to this stuff. When a dog gets on a bird, and I had one last week who had gotten in a little bit of trouble for being um, very aggressive. And so when we hit on the third bird, she found the bird and then walked over behind me. <laughs> she, walked, she goes, I got in trouble, so I'm not doing anything. And... <laughs> You know, and I heard what she said. She said, if you're going to do that stuff, it, nothing horrible, terrible, but she wasn't allowed to go get the bird that she wanted to go get. So she just said, well, heck with it. So I said, all right. And I put the leash on her and put her away right there. And I wouldn't do that with most dogs, but with this particular little dog I did because she was telling me, well, if you're going to make me do all the rules, I'm just going to blink the bird and go over behind you. And so with that one, I went, all right. I listened to everything she said, which was snotty teenager, and uh, just put her up. No punishment, no pressure, just done. And then she went and passed, I believe, uh, two master tests this past weekend. So uh, that was fairly effective. But I listened to what she said instead of going, oh, my God, oh, no, she's blinking birds. Oh, no, this is terrible. You know, I was aware of what was being communicated to me by this dog because I paid attention. So sometimes they go out and they might blink. Sometimes they're going to blink a bird because you overdid it, because you confused them and you made them think that, that birds uh, bring about bad things. And if they do that, then you have to listen and see that I, you, I overdid it. I asked too much of you on these birds before you're ready, before you're really bold enough and into all this stuff. So you've got to back that off and undo the stuff you did. That's, again, why I always say somebody on the Internet can't give you your answer because that little dog I just told you, uh, you know, I hadn't messed her up at all. 
I just addressed her attitude. Other dogs, if they start doing that because you did overdo it a little bit, you go put more birds out and let them just kick them up yourself and teach them, no, 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 birds do not bring you trouble. But the only way you can differentiate those things is if you always are focused on the dog while you're out there in the field with them. If you're sitting there talking with your gunner the whole time or the other guys that are with you and, you know, you're just kind of moving in the direction of the dog and you're not noticing what the dog is doing and what they're telling you, you're missing important stuff if you're a dog trainer. If you're a hunter, you know, just go hunt. But if you're a trainer, you need to, there's stuff they tell you. They can tell you if they're not feeling well. They can tell you if their elbow hurts, but barely. It hurts, but I, but, but they just barely let you know. But you have to be focused on those dogs. So they're going to tell you, am I too bold and just taking over? Am I not confident enough about what I'm doing? Therefore, I need, you know, you need to do some things to build up more confidence instead of so many strict rules. Those dogs tell you every time you go out there exactly what you've been doing, what the effect on them is, and, and therefore you can figure out what the next steps to take. So instead of responding to uh, every instantaneous thing that happens, oh, look, that's a bad dog. No. That's a no-thought way of dealing with a dog. You should be walking in the steps of those dogs, right in the steps, the entire time. Now, that's hard because that means you can't be on the phone. You can't be talking to the, the guys and holding blind behind you. You can't be telling everybody about the new truck that you got. You have to be, in my opinion, focused on that dog because they tell you stuff all the time. But you have to notice you have to notice today, and then you have to notice again tomorrow, and then you have to notice again the next day and the next time you do stuff. And they may not be anything like your prior dogs, N nothing. Or they may be pretty similar, but not totally. And you should be able to tell the difference. But the only way that you can do that is to not be the guy that's sitting there with the lady who goes, oh, I love the leather jacket, and you're obsessed with the motorcycle that's just down the street. That's then nothing good comes of that. So one of the ways to step up and be a little bit better of a trainer for all of us is to have extreme clarity and extreme simplicity, very few commands, but they're absolute. Heal is heal, here is here, sit is sit, woe is woe. All you have that. Have it be consistent, like I was really made a big point in the prior podcast, the consistency of that, the clarity of that. And then let's add this final thing where you pay attention the whole time. Because even your old tried and true guys, you know, that are just do so well, they still, they might not feel well. They might have eaten something and have an upset stomach. They're going to tell you that. Might be very subtle, but they're going to tell you that. Or if you've been a little too harsh or you've been a little too lax, nah, yeah, he's good. I don't even need to worry about it. And they start to get kind of loose. They're going to tell you that too in a lot of small ways. And if you don't pay enough attention to it, it's going to wait till you're at an expensive event and then it's going to bloom and you're going to go, I don't understand what happened. And it's that guy that doesn't understand why his wife is so mad at him because he, she didn't get her leather jacket. It's very simple, really. If you'd have just noticed that one time, 
what she said and what she was pointing at and what meant something to her, then you wouldn't have this problem and she'd think you were awesome. And then you would think she was awesome. But if you don't pay attention, then you get very sideways. And it's so much that way with dogs. Dogs tell you where you're slacking off, where you're being too hard. They tell you uh, when they're confused and screaming and yelling at them when they're confused is never good, just like it would be with you. And you have to know the difference between confusion and bad attitude. And the only way you get to know that is by watching and paying attention to your specific dog. And if you're somebody that trains more than one, then you put that aside. And when you get the next dog out, then you go into that file cabinet of behaviors and you pay a lot of attention. If you do that, you can sh once short circuit developing problems before they can develop. And you can just kind of tighten and clean things up a whole lot. And most of all for your dog, it's way more simple. It's way more consistent. And when you are engaged and paying a lot of attention to them like that, noticing those little things, how they are out of the truck, how they are in the blind, what happens when you walk to the line, what are they doing on the blinds with the whistle and the marks and all that, what are they doing today, right now, what are they doing? And you just, some days you won't, it, it'll just be not noteworthy. It'll be like, I watched all day long, everything was good. That's fantastic. Then when it's not, it'll really stand out. But that level of mindfulness and connection with your dog brings about fantastic results and a bond and a confidence that your dog has toward you that is, um, it, once you have it, you'd never go back. You'd never do anything but that. So I hope that makes sense. Might have sound like crazy lady talk again, but that's a really big deal and it's a skill. It's not something that if you don't already do it naturally that you have to acquire just like all those, and I don't mean to be gender biased here, but all those men whose wives are going, boy, I really love that necklace. And then she gets a mixer, right? This is old school kind of an example, but you, it goes both ways. You know, if you just never pay any attention to them, you miss some really important stuff that's not very hard. But that's a skill to pay attention when you got your mind on your own thing and trying to get this done and I'm in a hurry and I got to get going. So pulling back and really engaging with whomever you're with, canine or human, is always a good thing. So that's today's. We got the Triple Crown this weekend. I look forward to meeting some new people there uh, and watching some dogs. I hope everybody just hammers the heck out of it. I would love to see just some great dog work all weekend. So I'll report on that on the next podcast. And I wish everybody happy training, safe, healthy, and uh, we'll be back soon.